Hey everyone, this is Caleb, and I'm so excited that you've decided to spend a few minutes of your day here with me on the Learner's Quarter podcast. Today, we are continuing the series that we've been doing all throughout this year at looking at different types of the Enneagram. And today, we are looking at Enneagram Type 5s with Morgan Harper Nichols. She has recently released a brand new devotional called 40 Days on Being a Five. We'll link to the previous episodes that we've discussed. We've done every type, or after after this episode, we'll have done every type except for eights, which will be uh, next month, and we will wrap it up there. Now, if this happens to be your first time listening to the podcast, I want to tell you a little bit about what we want to do here. On the Learner's Quarter podcast, we want to create a safe place to have difficult conversations because you've probably gone throughout life, and especially if you're listening to a podcast like the Learner's Corner, um, you know, you're wanting to grow, you're wanting to uh, continue to get better. And sometimes that means that we come across subjects that maybe we're unfamiliar with or things that uh, that don't naturally flow in our path. And we want to learn more about it because we're curious and we want to learn from other people's perspectives about different things that maybe, maybe we didn't grow up with learning about. However, that isn't always comfortable for other people. And maybe if you've brought up uh, maybe a book that you were reading or maybe a podcast that you were listening to or someone or a YouTube video that you watched from somebody and they were like, why are you listening to this person? Why are you reading that book? Why would you buy anything from them? And you maybe you were a little bit put off by it because you're like, I'm just trying to learn. I'm just trying to grow. I don't necessarily agree with everything in here, but I am trying to expound my perspective. And that's really what we want to do here on the Learner's Corner is create a place to where you can continue to expound on your perspective, continue to widen your perspective, continue to to grow and to expose yourself to people who are different than you and to subjects that maybe you don't normally think about in order to help us become the, the best version of ourselves. And one of the things that helps us become the best version of ourselves is through tools like the Enneagram that allow us to to look at maybe some of the things of our personality that aren't very um, appealing to us in that. And so that's why that's one of the reasons why we're doing this whole series. And as I mentioned today, we're talking about Enneagram type fives. And so if you have a five, uh, type five in your life, this is going to be great. But there's also a lot of things that we can learn from type fives as well that maybe we struggle with as well. Maybe it's not as pertinent, but we still deal with them. We're going to cover a lot of the anxiety and information overload that is talked about in here as well, and some of the best things that we can learn from Enneagram fives as well. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Morgan. Morgan Harper Nichols is an artist and poet whose work is inspired by real-life interactions and stories. Morgan spent the first couple of years of her professional life as a college administration counselor and then as a full-time touring singer, songwriter, and musician. It was on the road that she cultivated her curiosity and passion for writing, art, and design and slowly began to share her work online. In 2017, Morgan started a project where she invites people to submit their stories to her website. From there, she creates art as a response to their stories and sends it to them before sharing the work publicly. All stories and names are kept private. The fruit of the project is shared daily around social media and publications and various creative collaborations and installations. As an artist, Morgan has collaborated with a wide range of brands, including Coach, Adobe, Vogue, Singapore, Airy, and more. As a designer and author, her work has been available in many stores, including Anthropology, uh, Barnes and Nobles, and Target. Her book of poetry and art, All Along You Were Blooming, is available where books are sold, and she is also on the board of directors at To Write Love on Her Arms. Morgan is originally from Atlanta, Georgia, and she and her husband, Patrick, currently reside with their son, Jacob, in Phoenix, Arizona, where you can find her in her studio and shop, Garden 24. Now, without, and also, as I mentioned earlier, she is also the author of 40 Days on Being a Five. And so, without any further wait, here is my conversation with Morgan Harbor Nichols. 
Well, Morgan, I am so excited to have you on the Learner's Corner podcast today. I'm so honored to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And just as we get started, you know, as uh, as I've done in each of these episodes, I'd love to ask uh, each person, how did you learn about the Enneagram and what was the process like for you discovering that you are a type five? Yes. You know, I feel like my discovery of the Enneagram is a very cliche story. I I discovered it through Instagram. So I was very curious. I saw different people that I knew and I followed talking about the Enneagram. And what I realized was like, wow, these are people from different circles. Like, and, and I was just very intrigued by all these different kinds of people talking about the Enneagram. So my first thing was to, I just started looking it up on podcasts and because I've always loved podcasts. I was like, I'm sure there's someone talking about the Enneagram on podcasts. And I just started listening around and I was very intrigued. However, I was pretty sure that I was a nine at first. And I was like, that just sounds like such a lovely person. <laughs> um, but then I, I think it was, I think it was actually Susan Stabile, who I first, Susan, who I first heard on her podcast. Podcast, uh, I believe it's called the Enneagram Journey, where I heard her say that, you know, the number that you actually probably are is the one that you probably makes you want to throw the book across the room. And I was like, oh, which number is that? I was like, well, the five does seem pretty dreadful. I don't like that person. <laughs> so I was like, maybe that's who I am. <laughs> so that was how I came to the realization that I was a five. And, and, and it was just you know, not to sound dramatic, I mean, but it was life altering for me because mm-hmm. it was me recognizing that there's a lot of the fiveness that I had rejected within myself and, and didn't really want to embrace because I thought that in order to be successful or do meaningful work in life, you need to be high energy and super extroverted, which some guys are extroverts, I'm sure. But for me, I'm very introverted. I'm very much so keep to myself. Like it takes me a lot of time to recover. So those are all things that I saw as negative traits within myself. I, I didn't see them as as good. So yeah, that when I discovered it in my in my late 20s, that was the first time in my life that I really started to kind of embrace that those different parts of myself in a in a different way and in a better way. So yeah, that's kind of how I found it. And and in typical fiveness, I went and looked for every book I could possibly find and and just started reading away about everything I could learn, not only about fives, but about all the other types as well. So yeah, that's mm-hmm. a little bit of how I arrived here. Yeah. Uh take me through that part of the journey that you had mentioned, you know, which uh, you know, you had mentioned you read about the five and it's like, oh my goodness, like I don't I this can't be me, which is my yeah. my story too, as well for being a type three. <laughs> yeah. um, and take me through that moment to like learning to accept just that this is who Morgan is and mm. learning to be okay with that. Yes, yes. So as I was listening to kind of the, you know, hallmark descriptions of the five, the observer, you know, someone who may take a longer time to process their emotions, I just started to kind of get these memories, a lot of them from my college years. I think that was just really a really prominent time where I was starting to to tell myself that who I was as a five, I'm like, no, I need to be like other people in my life. And I I just started thinking about all these moments where I kind of forced myself to maybe be a part of more activities because I felt like that's what I should do. Even though I was tired, even though I would have rather have just had like a whole day in my dorm by myself, I would say, no, you're in college. You need to go out. You need to make friends. Like you're only here for a short amount of time. Like it costs a bunch of money to be here. (laughs) Like make, make the most of it every second. Um, And then just really trying to, um, also my college years, just really kind of really intellectualizing the whole experience. I didn't really have like a game plan for leaving for what happened after college. I was just sort of like, how can I just stay in school for a really long time? Um, The idea of, of just going out and kind of and at the time I graduated, which is not not unique to me at all, I was graduating during kind of the final years of that recession where a lot of people were graduating 
a lot of millennials graduating without work. So for me, I I just kind of withdrew even more. I didn't really have like that fight or that push to say, okay, how am I going to get out of my comfort zone and go explore? So lots of uncertainty and, and just restlessness that came with that, just not knowing what's next, but not really knowing how to take action to pursue what's next. So yeah, I just started getting all these flashback memories and and all these moments in my life where I was just trying to figure it out, um, which is what we're all trying to do. But me just figuring it out in a very, and now I can kind of see in reflection, I was like, I think that was a little unhealthy. Um, And then I think, I remember reading and I think it was like the wisdom of the Enneagram, seeing the healthy, unhealthy breakdown was really good for me because that was like the first time I could see, I'm like, oh, there's that part of me that's a strength, but here's how it can actually be detrimental if I'm not mindful of it. So yeah, those those late teens, early college years, they were tough. They were really tough mm-hmm. um, as they are for many of us, but that's, that's where it took me to because I think that was the first time in my life where I was really starting to wrestle with that stuff in full force. So yeah, it, it was from there. It was just uh, a lot of listening, trying to find any five who was <laughs> who was just a little bit further down the journey than than me. And a lot of that, in, in kind of typical fiveness, wasn't it wasn't like seeking online and like trying to find. I was just listening. I was just like googling, finding podcasts. I was like, I don't have to actually have conversations with anyone. I just want to listen and absorb all that I can take about what it needs to be a five in a healthy way. So I feel like I'm still on that journey. I'm still always looking out for <laughs> advice from other fives out there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can you just talk, I mean, you've mentioned it a few times, but just the the level of reserves of energy that, you know, you being a type five and other type fives have, because that's something that is unique to people who, you know, identify as type fives. Yes. Yes. You know, we as fives, we take a lot in, Um, you know, on the surface level, it may seem like a five is is maybe really cold, distant, aloof, (laughs) reserved, whatever word you want to apply. But that, that could be as part of it for sure. But a lot of that is also, we're just we're just taking in our environment, we're taking in emotions, we're taking in a lot of things. So as a result of that, that can, and then we oftentimes try to kind of um, analyze it and, and and make sense of it. And that could just be very draining. So not only draining for the mind, but also the body. Um, so for me, and throughout my life, I have had what I have felt less energy than other people that I'm around. So I have one sibling who is a very energetic seven. And yeah, in comparison to her, I just, and she's also younger, I just felt like I could not keep up. I was just like, oh my gosh, like, can we just, like, we would go to an event and I'm like 10 minutes in, I'm like, I'm ready to leave. And she's like, we just got here. And I'm like, I know, but I'm ready to go. So (laughs) there was a lot of comparison on my end of just like, okay, there's, there's gotta be something to that. And then I'm also in the arts. I was in music full time for five years. And that was a huge challenge. Um, because that's a very demanding, physically demanding field, lots of energy required to be on stage and perform. Um, And even like in in recording sessions, just getting behind the microphone and giving your all, there was so much in that. So um, yeah, I ended up in a lot of different careers that required a whole lot of energy. And I actually think that the Enneagram helped me kind of find my way into what I'm doing today, which is still very artistic and creative, but I'm able to kind of manage that energy a whole lot more. And that is just... (laughs) <laughs> made an enormous impact in my life. So, yeah. Yeah, talk to me about what that discovery like was for you from moving th- from the, um, the the physical nature of the creativity mm-hmm. and the arts to more of the in- the intellectual nature of that. Yes, yes. So I started, um, after about five years of being on the road, I just started to feel very exhausted and overwhelmed. And another component of this too is this year I was also diagnosed with autism. So I'm also autistic. So I've just got layers and layers of ways to get exhausted. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And 
I was just feeling very drained. Like I was just trying to keep up with everything and everyone. Um, and I kind of had a breakdown. Um, I just couldn't do it anymore. And at the same time, I had bills to pay. So I was really struggling. I was like, there's got to be some kind of way that, because with my music, I had been able to connect with people. I hadn't had like international fame and success, but I knew there was something there. I was like, there's something here that I can serve people with, that I can give. Like, I don't think what I'm creating is useless. I just have to find a different way of sharing it. So I spent two years just trying everything. Like, I I was just determined to figure out some kind of way that I could be an artist, a storyteller, creative from home. That was honestly the goal because I, I knew that I had enough energy and also curiosity. I was driven to explore the arts in different ways. Um, like I, I was interested in design. I was learning Photoshop. I had bought an iPad. I was like, there's something. I don't know what it is, but I got to figure it out. So I spent about two years of just trying to figure that out. Um, and I started to kind of slowly but surely put some of my writing out there. Um, I first, I mean, I was so used to being kind of in songwriting mode. And then I was like, well, maybe I can just share the words. Um, and I was like, oh, well, I'm kind of interested in art. Maybe I can share that. And I'm sharing all of this without sharing my face and without really talking to camera a lot, because that's that's a lot for me. And I just want to say that as like a sidebar thing for any five out there who may be wrestling with that tension of like, I want to share who I am, but you just aren't sure if you have the energy. I just want to say like, I know that feeling. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's why I chose. I was like, I, I want to share in a way that it's not going to drain me again. Like I was experiencing in music when I was on the road full time. So I just started to slowly um, share more and more. And to be completely honest, for a very long time, it felt like a reduced version of what I was doing before. Um, you know, a lot of times music gets very romanticized, you know, playing shows, being on tour. Like, even when I tell people that now, they're like, well, why did you leave? I'm like, well, it doesn't exactly pay the bills as quickly as people think it does. They think um, not every person you see out there on tour is just like owning mansions and flying private jets. Um, it's it's not like that. It's it's a struggle for a lot for a lot of artists. Um, so, but I still kind of had that glamorized view of like, oh wow, now I'm just like kind of posting art and poetry that I barely know what I'm doing on Instagram. Like it did <laughs> feel like a reduced version. Um, but it wasn't until, I mean, it really was when I discovered the Enneagram that I was able to see, oh no, there's just a certain way of, of being in the world that, that I'm just more like that way. And it's not less than these other ways. Um, it's just different. It's just a different way of seeing things. And even without like knowing their Enneagram numbers, it just started to make me really look at the lifestyles of like a lot of the artists that I looked up to and a lot of the people that I respected. So someone like like uh, like uh, Tolkien, for instance, who wrote Lord of the Rings. So I'm like, you know what? Like, what Tolkien created for me was transformative for me. But, you know, was Tolkien one to be rocking out on stage with an electric guitar? No, he wasn't. It's like, you know, I'm not saying that he wouldn't have wanted to do it. But, you know, he didn't do that. But yet, look at what he was able to create that's timeless. And it's passed on from generation to generation. And it just started to make me think about all of these artists and people that I've looked up to that, like they didn't all go on tour or even have podcasts or do videos or or make tons of public appearances and they still created meaningful work and connected with people in a meaningful way and i was like that's what i'm about that's what i want to do so um 
yeah, that that really did give me that permission to kind of see this transition as not less than. It it took a minute. It yeah. took a minute to get there. Um, and I still struggle with it, to be completely honest. Yeah. Um, it's hard not to compare to other people. But but slowly but surely, I do feel like I've learned how to kind of embrace that transition as something good. And it's just different than what I was doing before. Mm-hmm. One of the things that, I, uh, just as, you know, I, I have a couple of five, type five people in my life. And I asked a couple of questions of them of, um, like, what, you know, I'm talking with Morgan. What, what are some things that, you know, that you would like to know or that you think would be really helpful for people to know. And one of the things I wanted to ask you about is, and you mentioned it a little bit earlier, is, you know, there's there's this reserved amount of energy and yet life still happens. Mm-hmm. Like you still have relationships and yeah. you still have things that like you have, like you have to get done. What has helped you in those moments to where it's like, okay, the the tank is maybe not not completely empty, but mm-hmm. I know that I do not have enough energy to, you know, to do this, yeah. do this thing or be with this person that is really important to me right now? Oh, yes. That's such a good question. And this is something I wish I had <laughs> 10, year, 10 years ago. Oh, my gosh. When I was just forcing myself to do everything with everybody all the time. Um, I have become pretty good. I, and I'm proud of myself for this. At telling people just up front, I do not have the energy for this. Um, (laughs) or I only have a little bit of energy, even with family, even with people that I love and I see all the time. I'm like, hey, I know you're really excited to get together and do this thing, but I've got about 30 minutes (laughs) or an hour (laughs) before I literally need to fall over and close my eyes and go to sleep. So, (laughs) um, and I'm not, I'm not, um, I haven't been doing that for that long. I mean, this is new. I would even mm-hmm. say um, it, it kind of started um, kind of right around the pandemic when the pandemic started, like that I just started to become aware of just how much I had been forcing myself to do way more than than I felt like I, you know, than I actually could. And one of the things that's really fascinating about that is that it ends up the response to that is is always better than I think. Um, so like when I tell my high energy Enneagram seven sister, hey, I'm sorry I didn't answer your FaceTime. I just can't do it right now. She's just like, okay, it's fine. It wasn't anything important. And it's like, oh, that wasn't even that big of a deal. Yeah. That's just she understands, like, yeah, I'm not able to do that. So um and and uh, my husband, he who is an Enneagram eight. I've got tons of high energy. <laughs> oh yeah, you do in my circle. It's <laughs> woo, like it is. It's a lot. Um, <laughs> so he'll like we have this thing now where we ask each other, and it's the same applies to him. I mean, he gets tired too sometimes, but yeah. we'll ask each other, "Hey, do you have the capacity to have this work conversation right now, or to work through this thing?" And we're allowed to say yes or no. Um, um, and I'll say, yeah, no, I don't. I, I got to get back to this tomorrow. Or yes, I absolutely can. I actually do have the energy to have this conversation. So for me, that has that has taken a lot of courage to get to the point where I can do that. And I'm still working on learning how to do that outside of my outer circle. It's it's easier with the people I see every day because I can just, you know, I'm, be more candid with them. But um I had a, I had an instance a few weeks ago where I just had to let someone know I just don't have the energy to do this with you. I'm so sorry. And they were like, it's fine. Like, we'll do it another time. So whew, I take deep breaths even as yeah. I say that. It, <laughs> it takes a lot, but ultimately it feels very freeing. It feels like I'm kind of gaining more control. Um, and and because at times it can feel like when I'm having, when I'm saying yes to everything or when I'm forcing myself to do things that I'm losing that control and I'm just draining myself of energy. So yeah, that's been, that's been huge. And then the other thing is, excuse me, is just giving myself permission to, if I do get into something that I'm like, well, that was a bit more <laughs> draining than I thought it was going to be, to just leave, like, <laughs> just say, I'm sorry, guys. I have to go. Um, and it's hard. It's not easy. Like I have a two-year-old, also very high energy. I mean, as most two-year-olds probably are, just tons of energy. He's jumping on everything. Like he's just full energy. And there's been some times like where I've taken him to the park and I'm just like, 
I literally feel like I have to take a nap. And I'm like, we got to go home. And I feel bad sometimes because I'm like, you could probably literally play here for two more hours. Um, But I just have to remind myself, you know, I'm giving what I can give. Like the fact that I got myself dressed, I got you dressed, I got us here safely in the car and we have breakfast. Like that's, all of those are big accomplishments. They may not feel like it, especially when I start comparing myself to other people, but I'm learning to recognize, look, the fact that we made it here and we've been here for one hour, one solid hour, like that is good enough. I've done what I can do and and just being at peace with that. So all of that stuff I'm still currently working on, but you know, that's, yeah, that's just the the life as a five right now. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, and that's just part of the journey too. It's like, you never master mm-hmm. it. You just get better at it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Amen to that. <laughs> uh, another thing that I wanted to ask you about is, you know, as, uh, as a type five, I'm sure you've re- read like so many things about the Enneagram, <laughs> about type fives. Um, maybe as much as there is possibly out there. <laughs> um, I would just love to hear uh, kind of your thoughts on on both Enneagram type fives and maybe just the Enneagram as uh, as a whole of what are some of the things that you're like, man, I wish that these things got talked about more or I don't feel like these things are um, mm. fully dove into whenever it comes to the broader Enneagram culture. Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, You know, I actually feel like I kind of have a broad answer for this. But I I do think that because I feel like the Enneagram is really exciting to encounter (laughs) for the first time, I feel like. I mean, there's just so much to discover and talk about. Um, and, you know, many of us were like, now we discovered the Enneagram and we're trying to type our whole family. And we're just like, whoa, what does all this mean? However, I think that there's a lot to be learned just by looking at body type, head type, and heart type. And just focusing on that and focusing less on like, okay, what are the little specifics of, that, that make me five? And 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 I'm grateful for that. But at the same time, especially for fives, we can tend to overthink that part. So what I've started to do like in my own just sort of like personal spiritual practice is like just really, just really think about and explore like, Am I in my body? Am I in my heart? Am I in my mind? Like, am I being present in all those three areas? Just checking in in those three areas. That's important for all of us. Um, Because it's, you know, while it's fun to get into the nitty gritty details, it's, it's also important that we remember that we have, we have, (laughs) we all have body, heart, and mind. And we have to have a healthy relationship with all those parts of ourselves because it's all connected. So um, yeah, that's actually, if I'm, if I'm actually talking to someone who doesn't know very much about the Enneagram, I actually kind of just spend a lot of time on that if they ask me, because I think that there's just a lot to be said about, yeah, let's just break that down and look at these three different areas and, and just go from there. So yeah, I don't know if that answers the question, but that's something no, I've been thinking uh, about. <laughs> no, that's good. Uh, and I guess kind of going off of that, you know, for, um, you know, you mentioned the body type and, you know, what's associated with that is, you know, the doing or the action of mm-hmm. it. And what has helped you, like, get to the point to where you just realize, okay, I need to stop thinking about this thing and I just need to do it. Because I know that that is, like, that's a major hurdle whenever it comes mm-hmm. to type fives. Yeah. because. I mean, you want to know literally every like you want a one hundred percent guarantee. Oh my gosh! Yes. <laughs> oh yes. You know, honestly, I feel like I'm the best at that. I don't feel like I'm the best at pulling out and being like, "Okay, Morgan, you've researched enough. Um, you've done enough." <laughs> um, but there are some small practical things that I I do think have helped me, and I, I'll try to recall some of them. But one of them. For sure is. So I noticed something um, years ago about myself and then this, the Enneagram helped me figure out what it was. So I, from the time I had my first cell phone, I was obsessed with my phone always being charged. Like I cannot, like I freak out if my phone's like below 75%. I'm just like, like there's some people 
out there in the world. And I apologize if you're one of them who could just like operate when their phone's like at 10% and they're just like, oh, whatever. Like I've, I've met people like, oh yeah, I've got 2% left. I can take a few pictures. I'm like, I don't know what universe you live in. Like that is just not, no, I don't operate that way. <laughs> I can't do it. And I was like, you know what? I think that this is kind of like a metaphor for being a fun. I am so conscious of my energy and I do not want to lose it. Like when my app, my Apple, my iPhone says low power mode, I'm like, oh, okay, it's time to go. So this is actually one thing that I've been doing, letting my phone die. (laughs) My phone is such the source of digging and seeking information and going deeper and deeper down into rabbit holes. Like I don't just use Wikipedia. I have the Wikipedia app. I save pages. I go back in and I go deeper and I go deeper. And I'm talking like just random topics, like things that have nothing to do with like a current event or I'll just find myself um, researching. Like, for instance, the other day I was watching um, uh, watching the Loki series on Disney Plus. And <laughs> so I, I actually after, after every episode, I go on YouTube and I watch the breakdowns of like mm-hmm. just like all the Easter egg videos of all the little clues and everything. So there was this one clue that one of the videos mentioned about how it was a reference to something that had happened in history of, of a, it was a plane hijacking and it's the only one where they've never known who the guy was and he just vanished and disappeared. I, I spent like two hours <laughs> reading about this and all the guys who claimed to be the guy and I'm like, who was the actual guy? And I looked at my phone And it was at 20%. It said low power mode. And I was like, okay, Morgan, it's time to stop. So (laughs) literally, I look at my phone's battery. I'm like, what have you been doing to drain your battery? And it's time to put it on a charger and take a break. So yeah, that has been like an actual, like real spiritual practice for me. Like let the phone die. Like don't put it on a charger and go sit by the wall and keep scrolling. Like (laughs) just let it die, plug it up take a break. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's very hard for me. And I think that, you know, technology makes it even harder because, you know, knowledge is infinite already, but the internet makes you feel like, well, you have access to that infinity right here at your fingertips. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, and even, even just going off of that, what's helped you like not become desensitized to all of that information that mm. you're taking? Because like, I imagine it's one thing, you know, I, f- I feel like it's been talked about a lot of, you know, the the, the compassion fatigue and the mm-hmm. desensitization yeah. or something, you know what I mean? Whenever it comes yeah. to all the information and then you think of like, you know, being the type five and like, mm-hmm. you're on like super drive whenever yeah. it comes to that information. <laughs> oh, that is very, very real. Um you know, not to give like a cliche, I maybe it's not a cliche answer. So, but for me, I mean, even just with the state of the world and just always taking in so much news and taking in everything that's happening everywhere, I do find myself getting overwhelmed. And I do think that some of that could be uh, maybe even just getting older a little bit. You know, it's like when you think about, um, I'm 31, and you, when you think about the average person my age, it's like we spent all these, like our teen years getting this internet thing in our house and just all this access. So it's like all of our like just developmental years have been in some way connected to this thing where now we're receiving and and consuming just way more information than ever before. And it's really draining. And I'm starting to feel even more drained than I used to be. I'm starting to find myself, I I can only scroll through like Instagram stories. I actually remember a time on Instagram stories where I used to make it a goal where I was like, I want to get through everyone's story. And I would literally sit there and click through everybody's Instagram story until they all disappeared. And I'm actually finding myself now, I can only watch like three people's stories and then I'm done. I'm like, that's just enough information for me. So I I think that that that's something, another area where I am kind of proud of myself of just being aware of like, I need to stop. I need a break. Mm -hmm. And I also think that maybe, you know, I think 
I think the pandemic definitely aged me more um, of just like just facing the reality of just being home all the time. Like I really got to a point I, for several months, actually, I took all social media off my phone and I only had it on my iPad. And that made such a huge difference. So yeah, it's something I haven't figured out, but I'm, I'm definitely really mindful of it. And, and, I, and I want us to talk about that more just as a society of like just how unnatural it is to take in the sheer amount of information that we're all taking in. So that's very important for me as a five, but I think that's important for all of us because it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even even just as I... Um as I was talking with one of my uh, Enneagram type five friends, one of the things that he wanted to just ask about and was curious, and I had never really thought about it until he had mentioned it, is he brought up uh, the mental health piece whenever it comes to Enneagram type fives and how, mm-hmm. you know, not just for um, uh, about Enneagram fives, maybe typically or tending to have higher levels of anxiety or even depression. And then you think we just came through a pandemic mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah. And just, one, I would love your thoughts on that and just sorting through um, how much of that is a, maybe just a, hey, this is just my personality type thing mm-hmm. for versus, hey, I might I might need to look into, you know, maybe go into some counseling and maybe doing yeah. some help and distinguishing between those two things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really, really good question. And I actually started therapy for the first time I want to say about three or four months after discovering the Enneagram. And Mm -hmm. I definitely think there was some connection there between like trying to figure out like what's a healthy range of (laughs) where I'm supposed to be. And yeah, it wasn't really one particular event that led me to therapy other than that. It was just like, I feel like some stuff's like coming up for me. And, you know, I was in my late twenties and I remember getting to the therapist and I asked her, she knew about the Enneagram and she did not. And I was like, dang it. Okay. What am I supposed to do? I'm like, I've been using this to make sense of myself. And I'm like, now it's just me and you and my emotions. Okay. Let's see where this goes. And so I started to kind of tell her, I was like, I have a hard time. I don't know what I feel in real time. Like, I don't, I don't like, you know, she was just asked me how I felt about certain. I'm like, I don't know how I feel. Like, it takes me time to figure it out. So she actually gave me something that I still use to this day. And it, it is a list of feelings. And if you Google it, it'll come up. And um, I think it's by the, the Center of Nonviolent Communication. They came up with this list of feelings. And they also have a list of needs. I use those lists on a regular basis. Um, I am not good at figuring out what I feel in real time. And those lists really do help me at least find a starting point, at least find a starting point with like, okay, so I don't feel anxious. Oh, actually, I'm upset. That's what it is. Okay. And that surprisingly has helped me a lot because in the past, I would just get kind of stuck and then just sort of separate myself from it. But the thing is with our emotions, it's like even if we intellectually try to like put it past us, like it's still there. It still needs to be addressed. So yeah, that list has actually helped me quite a bit. Um, I turn to it a lot. I I feel like that's a, a that is a, a strength of my fiveness is that I can remember that when I don't know, go find some resources. And, and that is a resource that helps, that helps me for sure. So I look to that a lot. Um, and then also for me, art is a really huge way that I that I feel like I can help make sense of my emotions or, or put names to them, whether it's making art myself or even just observing art. Um, or, you know, even something like watching a movie, like I, I feel like I've gotten better at, at figuring out like, why did this movie seem to stir me up a little bit? Um, oh, there's probably because there's an emotion tied to that. Like, let's dig into that a little bit. So, yeah, I feel like the the five tools for navigating emotions, you know, they may look a little bit different than someone else, but that's okay. Like, I, I just own that. I'm like, I'm not ashamed to pull out my piece of paper and figure out what I feel. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> yeah, 
what what are some other things that unless you're a type five, you really don't know these things about type fives? Mm. You know, I think a lot of people may not realize just how like non-judgmental we are. Mm. And how I, I I say that because um I think sometimes the five can may seem closed off and not as like engaging or as like outward as other people. So sometimes that can be perceived as like, oh, they think they're better or elitist or whatever. But a lot of it is just like we're just taking everything in. And as a result of that, if you befriend us or you talk to us more, you're going to find somebody who's open to listen to you. We're open to different ideas. Like if if something's happening in your life that you feel like you're not, you know, you're kind of ashamed to talk about, and fives are really good at just being like, okay, let's look at this like in a practical way. It's all right. Like it happens. It's just one thing that happens in life of many and really kind of weighing options of, you know, what you could do. We're good at kind of theorizing in that way. And I think that that's a, a strength when it comes to, Friendships and relationships, um, that's something that I've started to see as a positive of, of myself. It's like, it's like, yeah, I, I really can can be there for people, like if they need someone to listen to. So yeah, I would just say, like, if you if you see someone who a five who maybe it's like, oh, they don't want anything to do with us, they're just off in the corner doing their own thing. Like, no, we like to connect with people. We just may be a little bit more, you know, kind of quiet and reserved on the front. So yeah. Yeah. Uh Another thing that I wanted to ask you about, and I know that we kind of touched on this a little bit with uh, with your career journey as well, but for the person who is a type five and you know maybe they're trying to figure out what their career path is and it's like, okay, so I have this limited amount of energy and my uh, you know it might it might be it takes it takes a lot for me to connect with people whenever it comes to it and a lot of my you know a lot of my uh, what I perceive my value to be might be, you know, my intellectual ability or my thinking ability, mm-hmm. which um, is not as like, it, it tends to be in like the, like in the leadership world or the business world that like for you to have the intellectual side, like you need to be pretty high up in the organization for that to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And so for the person who is just like, this is, this is the dynamic. This is the reality that I'm living in. And yeah. I'm trying to figure this out. Like what, whether it be encouragement or advice or whatever it might be, would you just give to that person? Yes. Oh, I, I love that question because that really hits home in, in terms of like a lot of what I've struggled with because I I quickly discovered, you know, in, in all of the many different jobs that I had that building relationships is a huge part of a lot of different jobs. And there's actual like studies that have been done on how extroverts oftentimes benefit a lot from kind of, you know, job experience, because a lot of it's like being out there. There's so much like that happens informally when you're hanging out with people. So not that all fives are introverts, but, you know, there's some overlap there in terms of like the energy thing. So, um, you know, one thing that I found that was really good at, at helping me kind of get started on the path I am today, which right now I am a full-time artist and writer and I um, I have an online shop. I do a lot of different partnerships. And um, a lot of it actually started with me starting in the freelance world. And one thing that I think would be really beneficial for a five, maybe being a freelancer, even if it's just something you did on the side to just try it out, it gives us the opportunity to be specialized and to to bring out that part of us that likes to really focus on certain things and dig deep. Because um, if, if somebody hires you to either be a researcher or write copy for their website or to design something or to edit something, they want someone who is paying attention to detail. And I think sometimes that can get taken for granted and overlooked when it's like you in a room working with a whole bunch of other people. We kind of forget about those people who kind of are in the background making sure everything falls into place. So what I found is like I found a lot of strengths once I started sharing my art and my 
words out there. When someone would reach out to me and say, hey, I would like for you to write something for the very first thing I ever wrote as like a freelance commission piece was for a girl's retreat. And they were like, can you write something for this girl's retreat? And they told me where the girl's retreat was going to be. Um, If I remember correctly, I think it was in Tennessee. So I looked up like the hills of where they were going and I incorporated that to the artwork. And I get chills now, even when I talk about it. This was like, I I literally charged, I think like $50 for this collaborate. It was a very, very, very first one I did. But I was so excited that I got to make something that was going to be useful for this person that was so specific to what they were doing. I I did that. Another piece that I wrote was for a baby shower. They told me the baby's name. I researched the baby's name, what it meant. I incorporated that into what I into what I wrote until this day when I'm doing collaborations with Adobe and all of these like big companies, I'm still doing the same thing. I'm looking on the website, I'm studying the copy, I'm looking at how they use certain words and phrases. And I think all of those are strengths of five. So I think that we have a lot to offer. However, many of us have been in environments where it's either hard to see or or we just get overlooked for whatever reason. So we just have to find those places where we're not going to be overlooked. And, And I think those places are out there. I think especially with the internet that people are... Are, are looking for specialists in a lot of different things. And one other little like really practical um, practical tip is there are sites out there like Upwork.com where people actually will <laughs> pay like researchers, copy editors, programmers, like starting at like, like 50 bucks an hour all the way up to $100 an hour to just have someone look over something and say like, can somebody look at this and pay attention to detail? So that just really excites me. That that excites me about the modern times. I, I think that there are poss- endless possibilities out there for people like us. Yeah. Uh, just as uh, as we're moving towards closing, a couple of things that I want to ask you about is one, yeah. for, uh, for the Enneagram Type 5, and I know that you've mentioned several like healthy practices uh, for Enneagram type fives. Is there any others that it would be like, you know what, this, this really helps you personally Mm. as it concerns, um, not in so much just your, your Enneagram type fiveness, but just your, your person. Yeah. So a recent one has been, uh, my therapist, I was just going on and on about a whole bunch of stuff that was stressing me out, wearing me down. And she was like, when's the last time you took a nap? And I was like, what? She was like, you need to take a nap. She was like, that's your goal. Try to get some naps in this week. I was like, okay. And that's like a whole thing because fives, it takes us some time to get into our bodies. And for me, that just felt like such a like rudimentary. I'm like, why? I'm like, that's like what primary school children do. Like take a nap. And long behold, that has helped. This practical thing that I tend to just go on by because I'm like, no, no, no. There's got to be a more detailed solution out there that I must study and figure out to get more energy. And no, sometimes we literally just need more sleep, just more sleep. Or sometimes we need more sun or a cup of water. I think that it can feel... um so simple to the point that it's like, no, that's not what I'm looking for. But I have found that my resistance to it is actually a sign that that's probably what I actually need. So when I was told take a nap, I was like, I was like kind of offended by it. I'm just like, I pay you money to give me, you know, (laughs) detailed, advanced, well-researched answers. Are you telling me to take a nap? Um, But yeah, a lot of it, comes down to that. And and I think that we just have to give grace for ourselves. Like when we discovered that that's what we need, we needed a meal, we needed a cup of coffee or we needed a nap. Um, I think for us five, that's super important. We've, we've got to find those ways to rest within our bodies. Yeah. Uh, for the person who's in, you know, a relationship with an Enneagram type five, what would be some things that either we've already talked about them or um, that we haven't talked about that? Like, hey, it's really like it's going to help your yeah. relationship with a type oh. five, like oh, go so much better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I've got some good stuff. So if I could add, you know, like the five love languages, if I could add yeah. one, if I could yes. add on to the list, it would be listening to me talk about my random things. 
Like that, when I'm telling, like I told, I've told this to my husband, my sister, my parents, I'm like, when I'm going on and on about some random theory from some random movie that's connected to some other random thing, like this is me making connection with you. Like, I'm not just trying to fill the space with words and audio. No, no, no. Like, this is like my my heart, <laughs> my yeah. soul. Like I'm connecting with you. Um, this is like the equivalent. Like some people might be like, "Oh, you know, do you want to you want to you know cuddle and watch the sunset?" I mean, that sounds fun too. But what I'm saying is like, if I'm like walking into the room with a book and something I've just read, and I'm just like so excited to tell you, that's me making an effort to connect with you. Um, I've even told my friends that I'm like, when I send you like a podcast link, like. That's me. That's like my equivalent of like just randomly FaceTiming you because you're my friend. I'm like, yeah, that's me connecting. So I think that um, those who are who are in relationships or live with fives or are close to fives, like just know that when you take interest, like even if you don't really know what we're talking about and you just like ask questions <laughs> um, and just make us feel heard, that makes a huge difference because, mm-hmm. you know, we we do like to connect with people. We just sometimes do it in a different way. And and I know that I re- I feel really, really seen when when people take that time to connect with me in that way. <laughs> yeah. What what are some things that you would say the other the other types outside of an Enneagram five can learn from the Enneagram five or should pay more attention mm-hmm. to about how uh people who are Enneagram type fives tend to live? Yeah. Okay. So it's we know everything. So just listen <laughs> to us. <laughs> That's why I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you don't have to do, just just ask us whatever questions you have, just ask us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say that it's uh, you know I have I have um, like forty days of being a five. I, I talk about yeah. this a little bit in in the book. It's a story I share in the book. When I was in high school, I went to this like overnight camp in Tennessee. Gosh, camps in Tennessee keep coming up in this episode. This happened twice. This is the thing. But um, I was to this camp in Tennessee and there was this log game of of like, we had to like figure out how to play this game. And I had, play, I, I had played the game before. Um, but nobody would listen to me. Everybody else was just talking and talking and trying to figure it out. And I was trying to tell them, like, guys, I know how to, I know how the answer to this riddle on the slot. I've done it. I've done it. And no one would listen to me. And then after a certain period of time, the camp counselor was like, hey, everyone, Morgan's been trying to get your attention all this time. She actually knows the answer. And the camp counselor helped everyone, like, listen to me. And I solve the riddle just like that. That's like, that was like the peak. I I peaked at that moment of life. Like that was like, (laughs) that was like, yes, yes. But but what I learned from that is just like, hey, and I think that other people can learn too. It's like, you may actually legitimately know the answer, have actually been on the path before, but it is going to take time before someone else recognizes what you know. And it's it's not going to happen right away. And I think that I one thing I've seen a lot with the Enneagram actually is like people often get so excited when they've discovered it or discover something new. And like, there's like this urge to like almost want to be an expert and just like, Hey, everyone, here's what I know. Like, come with me and get educated. It's like, hey, it's okay. Like, you've learned something. You got to give it time. Even if you know what you're talking about, it's going to take other time for people, longer time for other people to catch on. But they'll catch on eventually and it'll be okay. You just got to learn how to wait it out, take your time. And I think that that's something good, something that fives are good at. We're going to kind of hang it back. Like, we already know it's going to happen. Eventually you'll listen. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, I got two more questions that I want to ask, uh, ask you. One thing is, uh, just as I've been talking with one of my, uh, one of my friends who is an Enneagram type five, you know, one of the things that he's mentioned is, and he's, he's moved around a little bit is, um, is like, he's found like connecting with the people that he left from the different parts of the country is a difficult thing of trying Mm -hmm. to figure that out. Um, and so just try, because, you know, obviously reserved amount of energy and yet, (laughs) and yet those relationships still matter too. Mm -hmm. And so I would just love your thoughts on just that navigating through that. And if you've navigated through something similar. Mm, Yes. Yes. Ooh, that one is, that one is real. I, um, 
you know, I would say that I, I've lived in a lot of different cities, a lot of different places. And the friends that I've made in different places, the friends that have, have, have stayed friends over time, whether they knew about the Enneagram or not, they were friends who recognized that I may not be able to talk as often, but when I do, whether it's in person, on the phone, or via text, I'm truly present. And a lot of my friends that I have are like that too. I have friends, the closest friends that I that I have in, in other places are friends that I will text them and they had texted me a whole month before and I'll text them and then they text me a whole month after. And I'm like, you know what? These are the kind of, as adults, I'm like, these are the kind of friends that I need in my life. Like yeah. there's no pressure. And you know, I think a lot of us have to ask some hard questions. If if there are people who make us feel guilty or ashamed for not being able to stay in touch and, and stay active as much as possible, if they're making us feel bad about that, it's like, are these people, were they really our friends? Or was it based on proximity? Because a lot of relationships are based on proximity. And it's like when you're no longer in that proximity anymore, the relationship does change. So I, you know, I honestly have found a lot of peace with the relationships that we're not able to with Sanks. I was like, oh, we were, we were friends because we were on that tour together and we saw each other every day. But that friendship doesn't exactly make sense outside of that context. And sometimes there's some grief with that. I have one friend in particular, well, I thought we were going to be closer friends years later. Um, and for whatever reason, you know, she kind of moved on and, and we're not friends as we're, we're so good with each other, but yeah. we haven't maintained like closeness. And there's still some grief there. Cause I was like, oh, when we were on tour together, like I actually had a lot of fun with you. I, I, we were very close. Um, so yeah, just, just accepting that that's a part of life. And that's, and I think that that may be hard for a five because maybe sometimes we do struggle with maintaining friendships. We may feel bad when they fall apart, but it's like, that's kind of a normal part of life. And we just have to remember that that's a normal part of life. Yeah. And the last thing I want to ask you is how are you different from learning about the Enneagram and doing the work that you've discovered about yourself from the Enneagram to continue to grow as a person? Mm. Yes. You said, how, how am I different? Yeah. How are you different? Yeah. Oh gosh. I am a lot less apologetic <laughs> about myself. <laughs> um, I am definitely, um, for most of my 20s and definitely before that, I, I felt, oh, I'm so sorry, I can't do this. But today I'm like, and that could just be turning 30 too. I think that's probably a part of it. I'm like, <laughs> nope, I'm sorry. I just can't do it. I'm just not going I'm not going to be a part of that. <laughs> that stresses me out. I'm turning it off. Um, I've gotten a lot more uh, unapologetic about that. And, and, and the Enneagram really did give me language for that. It's like you, you, Morgan, you are an observer. You're taking everything in. You, that's why, you know, you get more tired or, or you can't quite do as much as everyone else. There's reasons for this. There's, there's things that make that make sense. So yeah, having that language has really been like a, a good backbone for me um, in those moments where I do start to kind of feel better. I'm like, no, this is this is who I am, and there's healthy parts of who I am, um, and there's unhealthy parts. That right there has been huge. The healthy, unhealthy thing, like that was, I knew nothing. I had never heard anything like that before. Like how you can have this trait of yourself, and there's a healthy part and an unhealthy side of it. Like, that's totally new and something I think about all the time now. So, yeah, I was going to yeah. say, and it could turn on a dime, too. Mm, oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> it's like, oh, there oh. I go again. There I go again, working my yeah. way down the list. <laughs> yes. Oh, my. I love that so much. Well, Morgan, I know that people are going to want to pick up your devotional 40 Days on Being a Five and continue to keep up with you and all the work that you do as well. Where's the best place for people to go to do those things? Oh, yes. Well, thank you. I, I really enjoyed this conversation. I, I really, really have. Well, I'm Morgan Harper Nichols pretty much everywhere. And if you go to my website, morganharpernichols.com, you can find a link that says book and it'll show you where you can get the book. And I also have all of my social media channels, my blog. It's all there, morganharpernichols.com. I try to make it easy to find. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. 
Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. I think coming out of that conversation with Morgan, it made me think about something that I am currently wrestling with and just something that I wrestle with from time to time. And it's the idea of Am I am I learning from the right things? Am I am I in, informed as uh, much as I possibly can be? Which, with being a learner, is something that I I always want to be. And for uh, me being an Enneagram Type Three, which you know could be the achiever and all of that, I never want to come off ill informed or like I don't know what I'm talking about. And uh, I kind of want to be in the know on everything. And it's made me uh, just think of a couple of reminders just as I was uh, processing through this that I want to share with you. The first one is this, is that I can't know everything. And I know that's, that's a statement where it's like, of course, we can't know everything. But I've found myself believing that I can. <laughs> and whether that's me choosing uh, so many podcasts that I'll listen to, and I don't necessarily, let me say this, I don't necessarily listen to them. I'll follow them. I'll subscribe to them. I'll even download them onto my phone. And yet I haven't listened to them. Or I th- I think I will, and it's been months since I've listened to that podcast. Or uh, I'm a little bit embarrassed to say this, but sometimes it's probably been close to a year since I downloaded the episode and it's still on there. And I keep telling myself I'm going, to listen to it because I believe that <laughs> I can magically learn from all and learn from everything. And that's just not possible because we can't know everything. And along with that, we need to choose what matters most to us. And what are the things that we really want to learn from? What are the things that we enjoy learning from? And what are the things that that challenge us, that that keep um, that keep us on our toes, that keep us learning, that keep us growing, that keep us humble, that keep us uh, wanting to learn from those things and then identifying those. And after we identify in those of realizing that it's okay, it's okay not to know everything. And it's okay to delete things from our phone. It's okay to close out tabs on our phone. It's okay to admit that, hey, I thought I was going to read this book and I didn't. And, um, you know, I'm going to choose not to read it, or I'm going to choose stop reading it because I'm just not enjoying it. Or you're going to remove it from your Amazon cart because it's been in there or it's been on your list for years and you haven't bought it yet. And that's okay. We can give our permission, our ourselves permission not to be in the know on everything. And that's much easier said than done and requires a lot of um it requires a lot of work on our part to just get to that point. And I think the last thing that I want to mention is uh, don't be so serious. And it's okay to know things about things that don't matter. You know, for me, as I've mentioned several times uh, on on the podcast over the past uh, couple of months, one of the things that I've recently gone back into over the past year is uh, is not just Marvel comics, but just comics in general and learning from stories. And I have found myself so invested in some of these things. I know so much more uh, than I did a year and a half ago on that. And that's okay. And whatever that thing is for you, that's okay. We aren't just machines. We aren't just uh, robots or androids. It's okay to know about other things. And we don't need to beat ourselves up about it. Yeah, sure. There's a point to where it's like, yep, maybe we are a little bit too engaged with uh, with all of the pop culture stuff or what is quote unquote fun. Uh, but that's not typically my problem with it. I tend to go more towards the other, the seriousness of it. And we need to know things about things that aren't so serious. So that's a couple of thoughts that I have in terms of that. I'm sure if I thought about it a little bit more, I'd have uh, some other thoughts. And if I do, I will share them at some point in the podcast. Now, if you enjoyed this conversation with Morgan, don't forget to check out her book, 40 Days on Being a Five, and keep up with her online and on Instagram for all of the things that she's doing on there. Uh, If you enjoyed 
the episode. Leave a rating and write a review. I'd greatly appreciate it. Subscribe to the podcast or follow it or whatever your method is. Please do that, and you will never miss a single episode of the podcast. I want to say thanks to Garrett Oler, who does the editing for the podcast, and thanks to Sam Massey, who um, who created the music for this podcast. Super grateful for the both of you. Thanks again to Morgan for being on the podcast, and thank you to the listener for listening. If you have something that you would like us to cover or talk about or someone that you would love us uh, to learn from on the podcast, reach out at the email address, learnerscornerpodcast at gmail.com. Would love to hear from you in any aspects of that. I think that's all that I have for today. So my name is Kayla Mason. And until next time, keep learning and keep growing.